Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace, joined by Rocky from Comic Boom. Rocky, thanks for joining me. You're welcome, man. Thanks for having me again. Always always a pleasure reviewing great comic books with you, and we got it. We got another good one to review tonight. Yeah, you know, we, we weren't necessarily planning on reviewing all these uh, Scott-tober titles, as Comixology's calling it, uh, with Scott Snyder and various collaborators putting out a, a new comic the first three Tuesdays of uh, October, but they're just so good. We we're excited to talk about them. So uh, the book that came out this week, and again, this is going to have full spoilers for everybody. So if you haven't checked it out and you're planning on it, you may want to go back and uh, get the book first, read it, and then come back and listen. Or you can go check out our new comic book Wednesday episode where I talk about clear uh, with a spoiler free review, but we're going to get into the nitty gritty of it here. So uh, it's written by Scott Snyder, as I mentioned. His collaborator on this particular title is uh, Francis Manipole, who does the art and the colors. And just a real quick reminder, uh, these are eventually going to be in print from Dark Horse, but right now they're just being released digitally through Comixology. There's three ways you can get them. If you are, if you are an Amazon Prime member, you can get them for free. Just do a search for Clear Comixology. It'll come up. You can click on it, read it right there in the browser. If you are a member of Comixology Unlimited, you have full access to all the Comixology originals. Or the third way you can do it is you can just go to Amazon, search for clear Comixology, and just buy the individual issue. Now, you probably are going to have a better time if you get the subscription. The subscription is $8.99 as opposed to paying $4.99 for the single book. You pay $8.99. Not only do you get all the Scott Tober books, you get all the Amazon originals, plus all their other library, DC, Marvel, Image, all the other stuff that they have on there. It's thousands and thousands of books. So, you know, subscription model, a little bit more bang for your buck. So anyway, that's how you get them. If you haven't read Clear and you plan on it, you don't want to be spoiled, hit pause, go check it out, come back and see if you, uh, you know, you liked it as much as we did, if you got the same ideas from it that we did, because there's a lot to unpack here, and I thought it was spectacular. I'm, I'm struggling. It's so different than uh, the book we reviewed last week, We Have Demons, that Snyder's doing with Greg Capullo. I'm struggling at, like, which one do I like more? You know, I was trying to decide. They're so different. It was hard for me to pick one or the other, so I, I just decided not to. I think they're both great. But uh, give us your thoughts, Rocky, when you first read Clear. What's your initial impression of the of the book? I, my initial impression of the book uh, is is I like it. I, I like it. It, it's, it's, it takes place in the future, in the year 2052, and it it just takes our it takes the internet and it's a new way of looking at new tech high tech in the internet what what social media might be like in the future uh with these the, these veils where the future is where literally people abandon reality right now we're we're it sort of takes a dystopian view of our obsession with the internet and social media and in the future if we're so obsessed with it we want to abandon our own reality and literally live and allow our social media allow our media allow our iPhones or essentially we become almost the conduit for social media we don't need iPhones anymore we can imagine our own reality through the form of these veils and it's a very dystopian take in terms of you know what our where our obsession might take us with that we have with social media and sort of how we live this alternate reality through our iPhones, but through clear, I mean, in the future, more and more people abandon clarity in, in lieu of 
choosing a new reality with these veils. It's like a drug and there's drug traffickers trading these these images and I love it. It's a, and it, it is kind of a horror and yet it's a very subtle kind of horror. It's a new kind of horrific reality but it's very subtle how it just creeps up on you and I, I'm really impressed with how Scott Snyder has suggested how if we're not careful this this could be this is a very real possibility that this sort of dystopian high-tech future that he's portrayed here I think this is uh it reminds me that this could be this could be a, a, a an excellent almost like a, a an excellent sci-fi thriller that you could watch on Netflix or something is I really enjoyed it plus it's a mixture of crime noir and the different elements with the different settings that are possible because it deals with it deals with social media in terms of each individual character has their own individual reality like that they'd like to escape to and how they perceive the world differently through the lens of these vials or these veils and the, and these black veils that these different types of settings that they can be traded on the black market like a drug trafficking trade it's it's just fascinating i i just love it the potential for this is incredible and i i i recall one other one other um creator i can't remember the name but he made a comment because he had heard scott snyder's pitch for this clear way back and he he had commented that he was jealous he never thought of the idea first and i think it was donny cates actually when he talked about clear and and i yeah, can see it because well. yeah this is an excellent concept and I, I can't wait to talk about it more what do you think yeah, well, I mean, the idea of it, the subversiveness of it would lend something, uh, lend the story to something great for like an Outer Limits or a um, a Twilight Zone or uh, a Black Mirror episode or, or something like that, because it's, it is yeah. so subversive. And, and there's so much to unpack here. Uh, you mentioned the crime noir piece, and, and you know, I, I talked about that in, in my spoiler-free review. And it, in the way that he melds the crime noir with this sort of, uh, you know, to use your term, dystopian tech, technological sort of setting that they, that they set up in, in the story. And much like we have demons where I was very impressed with the way that Scott and Greg Capullo were able to meld the, the sort of faith slash religion aspect with, with a hard science aspect. I thought that that worked really, really well. And now here he is with his next title. And, and, you know, I don't expect this to continue with every single Scott Tober or every single comiXology release that they put out. But I do find it very interesting that the first two they put out have melded two different things that you wouldn't necessarily think go together really well, right? Like you've got uh, over in We Have Demons, like I said, the, the whole idea of, of faith or, or religion working perfectly in, in tandem with science. And so often when you tell stories that have those two things, they're actually sort of opposed to each other, they're sort of antithetical. And now here we have a story that's, you know, very much crime noir, like you're saying. Um, but, and, and, you know, you think of, of crime noir as something that's, you know, sort of old school and old fashioned with the gumshoe detective and the damsel in distress and, and that sort of thing. Um, but then you're melding that together with this idea of of technology that's become ubiquitous, right? Like it, it's everywhere. To, to Rocky's point earlier about how not only is, is technology everywhere, we ourselves are now interfacing with the internet, interfacing with the technology directly. And 
yeah, it, it is horror in that it's scary and it's frightening because it's all too real. It's all too much of a, a possibility. And if there's one thing that, that crime noir sort of shares with this idea of this ubiquitous technology and, and it leading down the path of, of people not caring, if one thing that it shares, it's, it's a cynicism, right? This idea that people have sort of given up. You don't want to necessarily see the world as it is anymore because the world's not a good place anymore. Nobody's happy with the way the, way the world looks. And rather than trying to change it or make it better, we're just going to choose to kind of stick our heads in the sand or in this case, pull a veil over our faces and see the world as something it's not. Uh, so again, it's a, that idea of, of melding two things, this, this, the fact that technology, technology has become so commonplace that it's literally a part of us and we don't even see the world for what it really is. And those two marrying these two ideas is fascinating to me. So that's one aspect of the story and my favorite aspect of the story, but there's so much more to it. Like you said, just on the face of it, like if you throw out the technological aspect and just read this as a crime noir story, say it was just set in the forties, but it was the same kind of story. And instead of uh, detective dunes, uh, the, the private investigator dunes, uh, following a guy who's buying a black veil, he could be following a guy who's buying, I don't know, bootleg, bootleg alcohol in the prohibition era or buying drugs or something like that. Um, you could strip all the technology stuff away and just read it as a crime noir story. It still works. It's still very good. It's still well paced and very well constructed. Then there's the other aspect that I talk about, about how this is all too real. And Rocky kind of touched on it a little bit, why it is so scary. We don't have veils right now. We can't interface directly with our eyes and our brains to the internet. We still have to go through a, an external device. But one thing that we do have that's sort of similar is we all have different perspectives. It, it appears these days, if you start talking about, you know, politically people who are conservative versus people who are uh, more liberal and how they're seeing, even without veils, they're all seeing, they're looking at the same thing and seeing something that's very different. Right. It's a matter of yeah. perspective. And we've talked about that at various times on the show. Uh, this is a little more literal where not only are you seeing it from a different perspective, but you're choosing to skin it. I've heard uh, Scott Snyder use that word skin because I think a lot of people know what that is in terms of video games and whatnot. Uh, they're choosing to skin their world in a way that allows them to see it in a different way. And I think you mentioned this also, Rocky, what that does to us in the way that we communicate with each other. Right. It. In my mind, it isolates people and it pushes us further away in terms of having relationships because there's less common ground. We're not even, you and I could be riding on the same bus. We could be on the same train. We could be walking down you know, the sidewalk in the same direction and be experiencing something completely different and have less common ground because we are seeing things so differently. There's danger in that. That's, that's a scary thing to look at. So in my mind, this is nearly a perfect comic because he, Scott Snyder and Francis Manipole are bringing in all these ideas, but you never feel like you're hit over the head with them. It's still character first. It's paced well, and they manage to bring all these elements in and have them play out in a 30-page comic that's illustrated beautifully and colored beautifully by Manipole. And you never – like there's – I've read it three times because each time I read it, I'm picking up on – you know, multiple things and it goes back to the value of, you know, of, of your comic dollar basically. So yeah. I'm just super impressed and I can't wait to see where this goes. And we haven't even necessarily, you know, talked about the story point with 
Dune's why uh, ex-wife, I guess, and and the the fact that there's actually a a, a crime noir mystery here. Yeah. I didn't even mention that. So, I mean, ha- masterful job. This may be the my favorite thing Scott Snyder's ever written. It it really might be like his best comic I've ever read from him. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one issue, so it's a little too soon to say that. But, it, it, he, but it's what like a masterful first issue. It's like he's channeling his inner uh, Ed Brubaker. So, and that's a high. I say that as a high compliment because it it, it wouldn't surprise me if Ed Brubaker wrote something similar to this because it just has that crime raw sensibility. So, it's 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 really good. And you know the the lead character, uh, Detective Sam Dunes. Uh, uh, I like the fact that instead of it reminds you of the nineteen forties, with the detective. You know, like in the nineteen forties, detectives would maybe investigate you know, would be hired by wives to spy on their husbands to see if their husbands are cheating. But yep. in the fu- in the future with the black veil, with the the black veil, Detective Sam Dunez, or he's he's hired by this pedal matters to spy on her husband to see if he's essentially cheating on her by using the by by going entering the black veil market to try to obtain basically a, a different a different image so he sees something different so he 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 can have a veil where he, he can when he looks at his wife he sees somebody else like you can you can see the world differently if you get a different veil and you can in the black market you can get illegal veils that are not registered and and you can be hooked up to like an uh, almost you can see the world through a completely different set of eyes that whatever you want to pay for and and it's so interesting that, you know, Petal, you know, the wife is just so offended that her husband, her rich businessman husband would, would want to see somebody else when he looks at her. And it's, it's almost like a form of cheating. And I just love how that sort of draws in. And that's sort of like, that's how the story starts off. And just literally like a 1940s detective crime noir epic, but yet it's drawing in all this technology and all those themes you touched upon are so prevalent and, and obvious or, or perhaps subtle. But you know what? How they speak to our problems of today of being unable to communicate with each other, always wanting to see something different, looking at the same thing but seeing different things. That is so prevalent here, and it's so it's so gut wrenching that the only two characters that seem to want clarity to see the world as it is are the detective and this woman Petal Matters, and it's like you know. More and more, it's getting. They even alluded to the fact that in the future, it's it's more expensive to see the w- world clearly. Every every vial, every veil has a clear setting, and they and some people avoid it. And it's getting more. It's 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 reaching a point where to even see with clarity, to see with no veil, it might cost more money because more and more people are moving away from reality, and 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 it's and. Uh, you know, there's a there's a wonderful phrase here, uh, at, where Scott Snyder, uh, I think it's excellent writing, uh, where Detective Nunez says, "So here we are, a future that isn't some primal scream of horror, but a billion little sighs and effing shrug." <laughs> and I thought, Jesus, that was my just... yeah, that was my favorite line as well. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's after he he he's taken down to the morgue and he finds out his ex wife is is dead. And he, you know, he's, he's talking about how the, you know, it, the, the end of the world, the, the apocalypse was always predicted as some like big acute cataclysm. It was going to end in moments and minutes. It was going to be over or things were going to change forever. And instead it, 
nobody had warned us of this like slow decline that maybe is happening so slowly that you don't realize it until you know society has slid too far, culture or whatever has slid too far down right he's talking about how much how things cost more it takes three months to get a washing machine i guess any of these sounded familiar supply chain issues <laughs> nobody nobody bothers to watch the news anymore because you know it's just bad news so you just put your veil on and you, you try to live your life as best you can there doesn't really seem like there's menial jobs anymore they have robots called wrks's or works that do that um and and the actual uh, global veil market, it accounts for 70% of the world's economy. <laughs> so it's this self-perpetuating choice to isolate. You know, I'll go back to that uh, again. And, and then he, he does say, yeah, so here we are. The future isn't some primal scream of horror, you know, where uh, something happened and there's um, a zombie apocalypse or a nuclear war and, you know, mutated uh, monstrosities from radiation or whatever. No. It's a billion little size of people just going, uh, eh, the world's a little bit worse today, but whatever. I'm just going to shrug and put on my Wiley Coyote uh, Looney Tunes veil and, you know, try to be as happy as I can. Like, how sad is that and, and how frightening in its realism? Uh, but to go back to what I was uh, saying before about um, about sort of being isolated and, and the whole thing with, uh, with Pedal Matters hiring uh, Sam Dunes, you know, she's hiring Sam Dunes to find out if her husband's using black veil because black veils can't be traded. Like you don't know that somebody's using a black veil as opposed to a regular veil. You you would know that they're not seeing the world as it really is. Black veil, they can you can be see the world in a different way, uh, and people don't know. And she just she wanted to know for her own clarity. Like she wanted to know, am I enough? Am I enough for him? Uh, but the other thing it goes back to is like, how does the concept of marriage even exist in a world like this? <laughs> exactly. When 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 you you're never looking at your spouse, or, or why why bother to to find the one or somebody that you can connect with when you're just gonna skin them to look like something else anyway, which is gonna color the way that you interact with them and the way you feel about them and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's it's it's, it's fascinating. It's, that, that, but that was my favorite line too. You know, a billion little shrugs uh, or a billion little sighs fucking shrug and then we go into um dunes and and pedal meeting in his office which is so like taken right out of a 1940s crime norm it's so fascinating and obviously that they have a connection there and just like you you know you'll often have the sort of tension between the detective and the damsel in distress in those stories um and i think it's played beautifully she's rendered beautifully by Francis Manipal. And yeah, they do have that connection where they're, they each are the only other person that they each know that chooses to see the world without a, a veil. So the, clearly there's a connection. They fill a pool, but Dune's just, you know, ID his, his dead ex-wife on a, on a slab in the morgue. So I don't necessarily think he's having uh, romantic feelings, but there's something there. There's some, some tension there. And, and again, it just goes to, uh, how masterfully paced and, and written this, this issue is. It's so, so great. But yeah, that, that, uh, that billion little size and, and a fucking shrug line is, uh, I, I will remember that comic book line forever. <laughs> it, yeah. I, and, uh, I do think it's ironic that, uh, that the detective, uh, detective's ex-wife, her name is, uh, Kendra McHale. And she, he, of course, uh, the, the, another, uh, uh Sergeant Collins, uh, I guess was an old former friend of his, uh, you know, you know, let him know that his, his ex-wife apparently committed suicide by jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge, 
which was shocking to him. And it's, it's revealed that apparently his ex-wife graduated from the Department of Connectivity. The Department yeah. of Connectivity. And I don't know what the Department of Connectivity is, but it's, it's when it, I hear the word connectivity and here she's graduated from a department dealing with connections and connectivity in a world that has completely lost its connection to reality. But is, so I'm really curious as to is, uh, I think that Snyder, this is building to something that Snyder, that the death of his, his ex-wife Kendra, that she stumbled upon a secret of some kind, probably about the secret of how maybe these veils work. Uh, there was also a, a talk at the beginning of the of this comic about it, a mention of something called the Red War, where America, the people of America, never really embraced the veil or using the veil until after they lost something called the Red War. So I'm curious as to know maybe what that is. Does that have something to do with things? I like the world building here that Scott Snyder has done in simply one issue. He's got me asking a bunch of questions that I want answers to. I want to know more. And it's not just the fact that I like, everyone likes a good crime drama, but I, I really, I'm enjoying this future. Ironically enough, I want to get lost in reality in this future, in this fiction. So I'm really enjoying, you know, like I said, this is, this is really a, it, it's great to have a comic book like this. That is a nice break from the big two once in a while. So this is well done. Yeah. Because there are a lot of tropes here, right? There are uh, some, some time honored parts of the story that you would expect <laughs> in crime or it certainly seems like detective dunes. He knew this Sergeant Collins. So I took it that he used to be a police officer. Uh, clearly, the Sergeant Collins knew Dunes' wife, uh, Kendra, so maybe they were all police officers. How, how I mean, I, I sort of get the feeling that this Department of Connectivity is, is, might be some kind of law enforcement. Like, maybe it's uh, the, the department that's supposed to regulate veils or something like that, so they do have some sort of, you know... Uh, kind of law enforcement dictate or, or, you know, authority or something like that. So yeah, the, there are connections here, which th that's a lot of what crime noir is, you know, connecting the dots between these people and, and learning, you know, why this person did this or that or whatever. And a lot of times it's based on, you know, uh, emotion or an affair or a promotion or money or, you know, uh, but it all, it all goes back to, to connections and relationships. And even though this is, you know, set in the future, uh, a future that's sort of bleak in, in a lot of ways. Uh, Manipul and, and Snyder don't forget the crime nor roots to make sure to keep relationships at the forefront of the of the story. So yeah. I expect all of that to be fleshed out. And and you're right, Rocky. The world building's fa fantastic. Just dropping little lines like that. Uh, she's been yeah. doing great at the Department of Connectivity. Oh yeah, the Red War was what you know pushed America over to start using veils you know there there's so many little just you know one sentence here a couple words there that add context to the story um that sort of give it texture in the same way that manipul's art gives it texture uh when i and what's so interesting about manipul's art he does have a little bit of a watercolor look to his um to his art a lot of that has to do with the fact he's colors himself and it, you saw the same thing in his flash work the first time I saw his work was on Legion of Superheroes, and I and I loved his line work, but it was it was a much more clean and polished style, uh, and then then we see here, and I used to think, okay, well, not necessarily that he got lazy or sloppy, but maybe he moved over to this looser style because it's faster for him. But what I what I'm realizing 
all the work I've seen him do since Legion is more in this. I think this is actually his, his natural style. And I think he probably drew Legion. Maybe he was trying to channel a little bit of a DC house style and make it a little cleaner because he, you know, he was new on the scene and he wanted to be sure that he was, you know, putting his best foot forward with the powers that be at, at DC. Um, but I'm glad that he's a popular enough artist that he can give us this natural style because a clean, like clean line work, um, and losing some of the visceralness of, and the sketchy feeling of the art would be wrong for the story. Um, even though it's a future, like we've talked about, it's not, you know, this bright future like you'd see in Star Trek or something, you know, uh, things are dirty, things are run down. And that's why part of the reason people want to see the world through veils. And when you start talking about a crime noir story, that's something that's very gritty and sort of street level as well. So you do need an artist that brings some of that kind of scritchiness into, you know, that grittiness into his, uh, in his li- into his line work. And also, you know, he follows through with the, the colors. It's a muted palette. And then on top of that, he's got to be having the time of his life because when it comes to, okay, I want to draw a coyote or I want to draw a cartoon mermaid or I want to draw a big giant monster truck. He can do any of that. He can draw whatever he wants because you can just say, okay, well, now I'm seeing the world through uh, the eyes of this person who has this particular veil. I mean, this project gives him the freedom to draw absolutely anything he wants at any time, which I think is just a whole lot of fun. And, and there's a, there's a fantastic uh, sequence. There's a, there's a motorcycle chase where, where detective uh, Dunez is uh, tracing, chasing the, I guess the, the black veil traffickers. And what's great about it is that just before the chase began, one of the, uh, one of the hoodlums, uh, uh, gave him a needle, uh, gave him a zad, what they call a, uh, I guess a Shahrazad, 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 and essentially what it did was that it was sort of like a, a like a boost of black veil or a, a boost of this veil, and it gave him multiple images of multiple realities of just different perceptions of different environments that he he saw all at once, and the way that the way that uh, that challenged, <laughs> uh, uh, you know. The art, it, it, I mean, the it was just incredible because for for those that are just listening on the on the podcast, I mean, you not only do you see a great car chase, but you see his motorcycle and he's chasing not just the car, but he's chasing a chuck wagon because you see almost like these shards of glass, and you can see through the different shards of glass a different image that it's not you know it's it's taking place in different time periods and different, the, the settings are, are, there's different settings on the same page during the same car chase. He's doing a good job of conveying for the, for the reader, uh, all the different types of, of essentially new worlds and new settings that one experiences through the, through the veil. And it's, it's, it's very, very well done. It re- it does a great job of, Suggest conveying to the reader what it must be like to be under the influence of the veil, and that's that's quite good because it might it would be it would be difficult to pull off even in a movie with special effects and what have you, <laughs> and yet uh, artistically he's done a very good job. Yeah, it's it's, it's fascinating uh, to see the, those different um, you know veils go, go you know just flying by Sam Dune's vision, especially for somebody who wants to see the world as it really is, you know, it's about the worst thing that could, could happen to him, you know? And, and and he mentions that a lot of times when 
that sort of thing happens, uh, people's brains just can't handle it. You know, they'll pass out or, uh, or what have you. So yeah, just another way that the story, uh, is enriched by this idea of these, uh, of these veils. So yeah, I'm, again, I, I, I was blown away by this. Um, it's so good. It's so different than the previous, um, than the previous title that we had last week with, uh, with We Have Demons. Uh, the one coming up next week is called Night of the Ghoul, and it has to do with uh, this old horror film that never got finished. And there's a guy that uh, that stumbles across the, the remnants of the original film and then goes to visit the director of the film in a, in a, a kind of a mental institution. And things kind of go sideways and crazy from there. So. Uh, Scott's collaborator on that one is uh, Francesco Francavilla, and they, they've been collaborating on that for a long time. I think Scott, I've heard Scott say that that's actually the oldest, uh, the oldest of the of the projects that's in the uh, that's in any of the comicsology titles. So, uh, Night of the Ghoul is the name of the movie um, that was written and directed by this T.F. Merritt, um, and he was thinking it was going to be you know instant classic and people are going to think about the ghoul as, you know, like people do about Frankenstein or Dracula or whatever. Um, but yeah, it, it never, never happened. And so this horror film guy who uh, he's a huge fan of, of horror films and he digitizes old uh, horror films to, uh, to sort of preserve them. That's his kind of his job. And he comes across this remnant of this footage and he goes to talk to the writer director and things kind of go sideways from there with uh, the ghoul and whatnot. So um I think it's a again a great choice for collaborator. Uh, Frank Avia's art is is very very good. If uh, if anybody's not familiar, um, but you, you know you're a more mainstream guy, maybe you read the recent uh, issue of Joker that Frank Avia did with uh, with James Tynan, and you'll see how well suited his art is for for horror. He did a lot of the Afterlife with Archie books, so. That's another thing we got to give Scott a lot of credit for. He's putting out all these new original stories. And to me, this stuff's so much better than any of his recent DC work. And oh, I, yes. and again, I, I haven't talked to Scott about it, but I, I feel like so much of that has to do with the fact that he's having fun. He's passionate about it. He, he's so much more invested because he owns all these properties, you know, hundred um, percent. And so, you know, there's no, there's nobody over his shoulder saying, no, you can't do that. We've got to protect our billion dollar IP you know, the sky's the limit and that sort of creative freedom, I think engenders excitement and you push the envelope. And so I think Scott's done a great job in choosing which artists to collaborate with on each project so far, because we have demons again, was excellent with his longtime collaborator, uh, Greg Capullo, Francis Manipal, perfect for clear, uh, blew me away. Like I'm a fan of Francis. And when Scott said he was doing something with him clear, I heard the idea. I'm like, Oh, that sounds, sounds pretty good. You know, I'm pretty interested in that. I was in no way prepared for how good clear is like it completely blew me away. Um, and then I think it'll be the same thing with night of the gold with, with Francesco Francavilla. So highly recommend it. Go get your uh, comiXology uh, subscription. So you can check out these comiXology originals as well as uh, all the other comiXology originals. There's some great stuff on there from writers like Mark Bernardin, uh, Chip Zdarsky, uh, there's just a lot of really, really good stuff on there. In addition to what Scott's doing, plus all your traditional DC and Marvel and image and all that other kind of stuff. So it's a great, great value. So uh, definitely check out clear. Um, 
yeah, it's one of the best things I've read in, in quite some time. So uh, as we're wrapping up here, Rocky, any any last thoughts on Clear? Anything else you want to add? Uh, just that uh, I, I really hope people pick this up. I, I'm I'm quite enjoying this. It's it's well worth it's well worth it. This is you're getting good bang for your buck here. This is good quality stuff, and I definitely I'm going to be picking this up when it comes out. I I, I wish I could get a physical copy of this. <laughs> I would love to be able to buy a physical copy of this, but this this is going to be I, I can. This is a setting up a whole new world that within six issues we can wrap up this storyline i'm guessing and then we can have ongoing stories which that are all self-contained all crime noir detective stories set in this world of clear i think this is uh scott snyder setting up a great little world here a great universe that we can all enjoy uh for for a long time into the future as long as scott snyder continues to want to uh, gift us with uh these this new world yeah that's another thing i should say i mentioned Dark Horse is the one that has the rights to pr do print copies of all the comicology stuff. And Scott's already said this stuff will be in print eventually. Here's the great thing about the books he's doing with comicology. He will release them in print in whatever format best suits that story. So, for example, he's already said We Have Demons is going to be kind of a traditional print comic release where it'll have alternate covers and, you know, variants and whatnot for, for retailers. Clear might come out as, uh, you know, a, a whole trade paperback. Some things might be oversized. Some things might come out as, as you know, a square bound or or it won't be the the traditional, you know, eight and a half by 11, you know, vertical. Maybe it goes horizontal or, you know, different things like that. So whatever the whatever the best way to present the material is how he's going to do it. So I look forward to, to finding out how they experiment with that kind of stuff as well. So, uh, again, everybody go check out Clear. Check out last week's title, We Have Demons. Again, if you were to go to buy the singles from Amazon, you'd pay 10 bucks, but you can go and get their subscription and be able to read both, plus all the upcoming stuff for only $8.99. So that's definitely the way to go. So uh, that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. Hope you all go and check out Clear. Hope you uh, got a chance to listen to our DC Spotlight, where Rocky and I covered all the DC books from this week uh, in great detail. Uh, for the other books, check out our new Comics Wednesday episode where we covered everything spoiler-free. Uh, and uh, make sure you head over to YouTube if you're listening to us uh, just on the audio-only podcast. Head over to YouTube, do a search for Comic Boom! Exclamation point. That's Rocky's channel where there's tons of great content. Give him a subscribe. Uh, ring that notification bell so you know when he has new content coming out. Uh, conversely, if you're checking this out on YouTube and you want to listen to any of the other uh, episodes that we put out on the Comic Source or go back and listen to the thousands-plus episodes we have um, – in uh, in the archive with interviews and convention coverage and all that just do a search for the comic source on your favorite uh, uh podcast app on your device or we're on you know google podcasts we're on uh spotify we're on itunes we're, we're everywhere so anywhere you can find podcasts you'll find the comic source so once again everybody thanks for joining us and we will talk to you next time talk to you later